Amen. Wonderful truth. Um, we're in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through the end of the chapter as we look at the church at Thyatira. Um, let me mention, I know we had a lot of commercials this morning, but uh, uh, Debbie, I'll ask you, Wednesday night meal on, uh, to have the Wednesday night. This week, we're going to start again with the Wednesday night meals at 6 o'clock, $4 a person, so encourage you to come. We've... Uh, had a, a blessing with the meals, and then, uh, of course, our events afterward, a, a blessing. And also, just a quick word before I preach, I'm looking forward um, out in the future, probably a month out there, uh, Reverend David Sizemore and, and myself, we're going to co-teach on Sunday nights a study called Culture Shift, which looks at how did we get here in our land? Where we are as far as our, our our view of God as a nation and as a culture, uh, you know, and and uh, also to look at so how do we share? How do we talk to these people about Jesus, who is our hope? And so I encourage you to keep that in thought as David and I are excited about teaching together with that and be a blessing on Sunday nights. I hope. Well, let's get into this uh, Revelation two. 18 through the end of the chapter, I ask if you will stand in our God's honor as I read from his precious word. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will um, repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira. To you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule over them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, here we are. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We need you. We, Father, have come to sing to you, to pray to you, to give to you, to hear from you, to be changed by you. I pray, Father, that you will just continue in this worship service. Father, I don't want to grieve your spirit. And so I pray for your feeling. I pray for your anointing. And I pray that, Lord, um, you'd help me not to ramble, but to speak uh, under your power. Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, going through these different churches, uh, 
Boy, there's a lot that could be that could be said. Don't worry, I'll, I'm going to really fly through the first part of this outline. Uh, you say, boy, we'll be here until tonight if he goes through that whole outline. Um, first, I want you to notice this commendation to the church at Thyatira. This is a church that has some problems. And we, we live in a time in, in a, a lot of churches, um, we, we love to talk about love and, and encourage one another and build each other up. But there are a lot of churches that never speak about the warnings that are in Scripture. That never talk about the rebukes that are in Scripture. Jesus is speaking directly to a church. And he has some hard words that we're going to look at this morning. And we need to ask ourselves some questions as we look at this church. But before I jump into that, which is the bulk of the message, I want you to look at the commendation to the church. He says, uh, verse 19, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So he is talking to this church and to those in the church. And he has some great things to say about these believers. He says, I I know what kind of deeds. They're deeds of love. It's agape love. It's the kind of love that comes from God himself. And he says, I I know also that um, you have faith. You place your confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus and and your service. You are servants. That's the very word we get our word deacon from. The akinos. And it is the idea of you, of you guys really see each other's needs. And, and you're involved in each other's lives. And, and you're servants. And perseverance. You guys have stick-to-itiveness. You stick to it. You, you walk day by day with God. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. You're not less less active. You're more active. You guys are always at church. There's always activity. <laughs> there, there's always something to do. He lifts them up and he says, this is some good that I want others to know about you. But that's not where he stops. Let me first say a few things about Thyatira. It was a, it was a wealthy place. Matter of fact, as far as Asia goes, there were more jobs. <laughs> it was a place that was, man, a bustling economy. Uh, matter of fact, it had more guilds, uh, which would be like unions, worker unions, in the ancient world than any other place in Asia. And each of those guilds had a god or goddess that was part of that group of workers. And the idea was that in order to, to stay in good with your union or your guild, that you would follow those gods or goddesses of each guild. And that often meant that you would have to do what would go against your faith in Jesus Christ. 
many of these guilds dealt with fertility gods, which meant there was a lot of sexual immorality that would involve priestesses and would not be living a holy, pure life for Jesus. And and so the question would obviously come uh, by these Christians is, how are we going to survive? How are we going to keep our jobs if we don't participate in these activities, if we are not faithful to be a part of these practices, of these guilds? We're, We're going to lose our jobs. We're going to be doomed to poverty if we don't participate in what is required of us. So it kind of left the believers in Thyatira with this question. Can a Christian participate in the idol feasts and even the immorality of the temple and really be a Christian? This teacher in the church spoke up. And she is referred to here as Jezebel and um, I don't really think, I, I, you know, one translation, Moffat's translation is, that woman's a type of Jezebel. More than likely, her name really wasn't Jezebel. That would be like, if you're a Christian, naming your kid Judas. I mean, it just wouldn't go over too good, you know. But she was a type of Jezebel. And the implication here is that this woman is not a servant of God. And um, let me just give a little background. You remember Jezebel. Uh, she is the first King 16. It talks about her. She married King Ahab and she worshiped other gods besides the Lord God. And uh, the main God that she worshiped was a guy named Baal. And uh, he was a fertility God. and She believed in uh, the people following her God and. And indulging in practices that went against the one true God um, with sexual immorality. And and so, you know, there was this confrontation with Elijah and all these false prophets. And and the Lord God ended up winning through this sacrifice, if you guys remember the story. And, and they turned away from this false religion and this false worship that was integrated with their very... Lives. In Second Kings chapter 9, we read about Jezebel. She had successfully combined worship with immorality, business with idolatry and compromise. And, and this had to be dealt with in that day. And, and as, as the church would read these words, they would think about this woman who had come in and brought compromise among God's people And there had to be a cleansing as a result of that through the prophet Elijah. Now we're in the church and the Lord Jesus speaks to this church. And and look how it starts out here in verse 18. It says, these are the words of the Son of God. That's Jesus. How How is he described? Whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So this is a picture of... Judgment. And let me move on here. Verse 20, he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. 
She says, it's time to get busy being honest about who she is. Not tolerating her. It's interesting they use that word tolerate, isn't it? As we live in this age of be tolerant. Be tolerant of everything. God says here, do not be tolerant of Jezebel. Now, let's look at these six dangers in, that, that are involved in refusing to deal with sin. And I'll try to rush through these. Good luck. Uh, without disciplinary action, the church will encourage the deception of sin in the sinner's mind. In other words, you encourage the deception of sin. Sin was never discussed in the church. Wow. She's called herself a prophetess, a a prophet according to the scripture. God doesn't call her a prophetess. She calls herself a prophetess as she shares her words And God basically is saying here, she needs to be warned that if she continues to do this, there will be a price. The one is coming with eyes of fire and feet that are red hot. Uh, It would be, let's say, for example, uh, you wake up in the middle of the night and you uh, look out your window and, and you see this fire. The woods are on fire and they're headed toward your neighbor's house. Now, would it be kind and compassionate to say, well, you know, they're sound asleep. I think we should respect their sleep. They, they need to rest. And, and, and you know, real kindness is, is giving them space and leaving them alone. Would that be love? No, that wouldn't be love. Love would be going over there, banging on the door, trying to get them out of bed at all costs because that fire is headed to their home to devour not only their home, but to devour them. And so he is saying here, you know, this is something that doesn't need to be encouraged or continued. It needs to be called out. That second one here. The second danger came from Um, providing an audience for her false teaching. More than likely, she was teaching this uh, dualism, which said, basically said this, well, your body and your spirit, they're separate. So you can be spiritual and you can love Jesus, but what you do in your body, oh, that's different. That's not connected. So, you know, whatever you want to do with your body, God understands. He loves you. That's not connected to His work in Jesus Christ. You know, first came to my mind was 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and that you've received the Spirit from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, God, honor God with your body. You know, some of this, I mean, let's face it. None of us are as committed as we should be. We all mess up. But is it the pattern of your life? Here's a couple of questions here. Do you sin with abandon? Do you revel in sin and enjoy it? 
I thought of Proverbs 23, 17 that says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Do you start saying, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could get away with that. Is, is that, is, you know, is, is that your thoughts? Is that your heart beat? This is where this church was as they listened to the words of this prophetess. Of this woman who is outside of the truth of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it says in, in Romans 6, What then shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means should that happen. And it says in 1 John 3, 9, No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. No one who keeps on sinning is his, belongs to him. Um, matter of fact, look at Revelation 2, 24. He says, now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. He describes this as a deep secret of the devil. That you can live any way you want. And God's grace will completely cover you. And it doesn't matter how you live. It matters how you live. Because he died for you to make you holy. To set you apart for him. That others may look at you and see Jesus. You see, we're, we're left here so others can see Jesus in us. And if we live like the devil, they don't see Jesus in us. We are called to be set apart. Let me move on here. Number three, an unrepentant sinner given a platform. This is scary stuff. What kind of judgment is there for the one who is in the pulpit? Is a false teacher who does not lift up Jesus Christ, but lives up false teaching. This is the case here with this lady. As it talks about in the scriptures where Jesus said, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, be better for them to have a millstone wrapped around their neck and to dump them into the water where they drown. Or in our day, I thought it would be like the mob putting concrete shoes on you and dumping you in the lake it's serious business to speak the truth verse 20 he says um, by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols she misleads number four you failed to teach sin has consequences Look here at verse 22. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. This word here actually is a picture in that ancient day of the reclining couch. And I believe the picture here is really saying, man, while you're in the midst of your orgies and the midst of your wild parties, judgment's going to come upon you. That's what's being said to her. You know, why she's still saying, come on and enjoy it. It's fun. It's the best time in the world. Even while she's in the midst of being that billboard <laughs> for seeing judgment is going to come upon her. 
Now, look at number five here. Weaker believers were in danger of dying early. Look at the second part here of verse 22. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. And then on in verse 23, I will strike her children dead. What is what is being said here? She's saying those people who do not live the lives that are set apart for Christ, man, they are misrepresenting the testimony of Jesus Christ. And here is the danger. God may come to a point, this is his children, God may come to a point where he says, you know, you are mine. But because you are mine, I'm going to take you on to eternity now. There may come that point where his discipline is saying an early death. We should not play around. We should look to him. That is what is being said here. Um, in the scripture, and I could go on time's sake. I want some examples of of this, how this happens. Let me read one verse in Second uh, John, verse eight. It says, "Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully." You don't want to get into heaven by the skin of your teeth, because let me tell you what—that's some thin skin. Not a lot to hold you. Uh, um, number six, the church became an example of God's displeasure. Uh, look on here through verse 23. Uh, I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Who wants to be a part of that kind of church? Who wants to be the part of the, the kind of church where, where when you see God moving, there's a bunch of funerals? Who wants to be part of that kind of church? We don't want to deal with sin in our culture. We're victims. Or we made a mistake. Or a bad choice. No, we sinned. And we need... God's forgiveness. All right, challenge. Verses 26 and 27, the challenge he makes. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule over them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. This is not a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. This is a picture of that thousand year reign where God's people are faithful and he will rule over them and he, with his received authority, will give victory. And then in verse 28, he says, he, he says I will also give him the morning star. This can be nothing less than the promise and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Matter of fact, in end of this book, uh, Revelation 22, verse 16, Jesus himself says, I am the bright morning star. Uh, as I think about the bright morning star, you know, I think about love letters, uh, 
Any of you guys have any love letters hanging around anywhere? Did any of you guys enjoy love letters at one time in your life? You know, for us guys, maybe it had just a scent of perfume on it. It's like, ooh, that smells good. Or maybe there were some little pet names in there, you know. You know, for most people get love letters, those things are so worn out, they're about to fall apart. Why? Because you read them over and over. Why? Because you think, that's my sweetie pie. You know, she doesn't see how ugly I am. <laughs> I know that was bad English, honey, but uh, she doesn't see how ugly. Okay, enough of that. We've gone there. You know, praise be to God. I mean, for now, we have these precious letters that we read. But there is no substitute for being in the arms of the one you love. And those letters are good, but I'd much rather have a kissy-kissy, wouldn't you? And a good hug. One day, the letter will be exchanged for the presence. And that's where we are headed. All right, let me close this thing here. Um, couple of warnings here first big sins can happen in little churches you don't have to be a big church to have big sin we all have the capacity don't we to leave the one we love second truth the effects of one person's sin can destroy the effectiveness of an entire church you know if you look out in the community and uh, I mean, first of all, most people don't even think about us. You know, we think that they're thinking about us. They don't even know where Kingsway Baptist Church is. Or, But the people that do think about us, when they think about us, they think about you who they know. They don't think about everybody at Kingsway Baptist Church. They think about me. The one they've met who is a part of Kingsway Baptist Church. So... If I'm a big hypocrite, you know what they think? That church has got a bunch of hypocrites. Or if I have talked bad about them or, or hurt them or stolen from them, or I'll never go to that church. But praise be to God, the opposite's also true. If we walk with God, that's where do you go to church? Why? Because they're they're thinking. Man, there's some people out there that I want to know. I need some help. And, and, and so the picture there, um, who am I? When people think about Kingsway, what's that mean when they look at me? Uh, so I close here at verse 29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. And uh, with this challenge. Are you listening? Let's pray. Lord. The question is. uh, For each of us to ask. Where am I Lord? Am I listening to your voice? Am I your witness? In a way that's pleasing to you. Or am I your witness in a way that is not? Lord, for there to be revival. 
we must first uh, each be revived. And that comes by asking some hard questions. Are we living in the truth? Is Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the one we follow? Um, Or not? If not, then there's a price to pay for that, Lord. Your word, as it said to the church at Thyatira, that, man, you're, you you know, there's some heat uh, around the corner. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can turn to you, and I pray at this time we call invitation with an altar that's open. Maybe that involves coming to the altar and praying and being honest before God about where I am and where you want me to be and Maybe it involves coming before the church to making a public decision. Uh, maybe there's one here and, and uh, you have never just said, Jesus, I need to be forgiven. I believe you are the one who takes away sin and that you did it by being the sinless Lamb of God who died on an old rugged cross and was raised to life and now you're the answer. Uh, what a great time to find that new Life, new day in Jesus. Great day for that, Lord. I pray anyone here that's ready for that, I'd love it. Just pray and come down and let us know. Father, for others that want to take that first step of being baptized, which is to be a public picture of an inward heart change. uh, What a great day for that, too. (laughs) It's just always a good day to say yes to God. And uh, so may we do that. As we stand, as we sing, may we say yes to you. In Christ's name we pray.